Hi, I'm Mike Paul, and welcome to this podcast of articles from Ars Technica, a presentation of Airs LA, the audio internet reading service of Los Angeles. You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. We have three articles for you today. Our first article is by Tim DeChant, published on December 7th, 2021. Landmark $150 billion lawsuit seeks to hold Facebook accountable for Rohingya genocide. Rohingya refugees have filed a lawsuit against Meta, formerly known as Facebook, for its alleged role in the ethnic cleansing currently underway in Myanmar, sometimes known as Burma. The lawsuit says the social media giant is on the hook for at least $150 billion for wrongful death, personal injury, pain and suffering, emotional distress, and loss of property. This lawsuit claims that Meta's Facebook product is defective and that the company acted negligently. The complaint was filed this week in San Mateo County Superior Court, the jurisdiction in which Meta is headquartered, on behalf of a Rohingya refugee living in Illinois. It's seeking class action status to encompass all of the more than 10,000 Rohingya refugees who have resettled in the U.S. since 2012. The lawsuit is among the first to leverage allegations made by former Facebook employees and whistleblowers, including Francis Haugen, who shared over 10,000 documents with Congress and the Securities Exchange Commission. Facebook executives were fully aware that posts ordering hits by the Myanmar government on the minority Muslim Rohingya were spreading wildly on Facebook, one former Facebook employee said in a whistleblower complaint that was cited by the new lawsuit. The issue of the Rohingya being targeted on Facebook was well known inside the company for years. The Rohingya have been subjected to state-sanctioned harassment for years. A Muslim minority in a Buddhist-majority nation, the Rohingya people have been denied citizenship and falsely accused of being foreign invaders or criminals. In 2017, Myanmar's military razed villages and carried out a campaign of rape and murder. Nearly 7,000 Rohingya people were killed, Doctors Without Borders estimated, and many of the 750,000 who fled now live in squalid conditions in refugee camps. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights called it a textbook example of ethnic cleansing. The lawsuit claims that Facebook played a key role in stoking ethnic animus and facilitating the ruling junta's ethnic cleansing. While the Rohingya have long been the victims of discrimination and persecution, the scope and violent nature of that persecution changed dramatically in the last decade, turning from human rights abuses and sporadic violence into terrorism and mass genocide, the lawsuit says. A key inflection point for that change was the introduction of Facebook into Burma in 2011, which materially contributed to the development and widespread dissemination of anti-Rohingya hate speech, misinformation, and incitement of violence. Facebook used its Internet.org Free Basics program to give people in Myanmar access to the Internet, provided they signed up for Facebook. Users received internet niceties like weather and local news without incurring charges on their mobile phone plans. But they essentially lived in Facebook's walled garden. For many, it was their first exposure to the internet. 
This resulted in a crisis of digital literacy, the lawsuit says, leaving these new users blind to the prevalence of false information online. Facebook did nothing, however, to warn its Burmese users about the dangers of misinformation and fake accounts on its system, or to take any steps to restrict its vicious spread. The ruling junta took advantage of that, the lawsuit alleges. The brutal and repressive Myanmar military regime employed hundreds of people, some posing as celebrities, to operate fake Facebook accounts and to generate hateful and dehumanizing content about the Rohingya, it says. So deep was Facebook's penetration into daily life in Burma and its role in the out-of-control spread of the anti-Rohingya content that Marzuki Darusman, chairman of the UN Independent International Fact-Finding Mission on Myanmar, described Facebook as having played a determining role in the genocide. Facebook, the lawsuit claims, was well aware of the problems. Despite having been repeatedly alerted between 2013 and 2017 to the vast quantities of anti-Rohingya hate speech and misinformation on its system, and the violent manifestation of that content against the Rohingya people, Facebook barely reacted and devoted scant resources to addressing the issue. It wasn't until 2018, after a report from the UN documented the social network's role in the violence, that the company took action, the lawsuit says. We agree that we can and should do more, said Alex Warofka, a product policy manager at Facebook. They were warned so many times, David Madden, a tech entrepreneur who worked in Myanmar, told Reuters in 2018. Madden said he gave a talk at Facebook's headquarters in 2015 in which he warned the company that its site was being used to spread hatred. It couldn't have been presented to them more clearly, and they didn't take the necessary steps, he said. A Meta spokesperson told ours, We're appalled by the crimes committed against the Rohingya people in Myanmar. We've built a dedicated team of Burmese speakers, banned the Tatma Da, the Burmese Armed Forces, disrupted networks manipulating public debate, and taken action on harmful misinformation to keep people safe. We've also invested in Burmese language technology to reduce the prevalence of violating content. This work is guided by the feedback from experts, civil society organizations, and independent reports, including the UN fact-finding mission on Myanmar's findings and the independent human rights impact assessment we commissioned and released in 2018. The lawsuit alleges that Facebook is liable because it created a defective product, a relatively new legal argument that seeks to get around the company's protections under Section 230. Facebook's ranking algorithm, the lawsuit alleges, spurred violence against the Rohingya, precisely the kind of harm that could have been reasonably expected from Facebook's propagation and prioritization of anti-Rohingya hate speech and misinformation on its system. Furthermore, the lawsuit says that Facebook was negligent in its duty to use reasonable care to avoid injuring others. The company, the lawsuit alleges, breached this duty by, among other things, negligently designing its algorithms to fill Burmese users' news feeds, especially users particularly susceptible to such content, with disproportionate amounts of hate speech, misinformation, and other content dangerous to plaintiff and the class. Our second article is by Dan Gooden, published on December 13, 2021. 
as Logforce Shell wreaks havoc, payroll service reports ransomware attack. As the world is beset by Log4Shell, arguably the most severe vulnerability ever, one of the biggest human resources solutions providers is reporting a ransomware attack that has taken its systems offline, possibly for the next several weeks. So far, the company isn't saying if that critical vulnerability was the means hackers used to breach the systems. The company said on Sunday that services using the Kronos private cloud had been unavailable for the past day, with the attack taking down Kronos's UKG Workforce Central, UKG Telestaff, and Banking Scheduling Solution Services. At this time, we still do not have an estimated restoration time, and it is likely that the issue may require at least several days to resolve, Kronos representative Leo Daly wrote. We continue to recommend that our impacted customers evaluate alternative plans to process time and attendance data for payroll processing, to manage schedules, and to manage other related operations important to their organization. Ten hours after that advisory, Daily published an update reporting that the cause of the outage was ransomware and that it may take up to several weeks to restore system availability. We deeply regret the impact this is having on you, and we are continuing to take all appropriate actions to remediate the situation, the Kronos representative wrote. We recognize the seriousness of this issue and will provide another update within the next 24 hours. Neither advisory made any mention of the method the ransomware attackers used to breach the Kronos infrastructure. A banner notice at the top of each post, however, stated, We are aware of the Log4j vulnerability reported as CVE 20214422248. We have preventative controls in our environments to detect and prevent exploitation attempts. We have invoked emergency patching processes to identify and upgrade impacted versions of Log4j. We are aware of the widespread usage of Log4j in the software industry and are actively monitoring our software supply chain for any advisories of third-party software that may be impacted by this vulnerability. Kronos representatives responding to an email declined to say if a Log4Shell exploit against its systems was the cause of the initial compromise. It wouldn't be a stretch, though, for that to be the case. Kronos Cloud Services rely heavily on Java, the software framework that Log4j is based on. The Log4Shell vulnerability, which gives hackers the ability to execute malicious code with elevated system privileges, is trivial to exploit. Often, attacks can come from users visiting a page with a browser that includes plain text commands in the user agent. Kronos said it had retained cybersecurity experts and has notified authorities. It said customers' on-premises services aren't affected. Separately, the IT arm of the Virginia State Legislature reported suffering a ransomware attack that occurred on late Friday, the Associated Press reported. The Legislative Automated Systems in 2019 purchased Java licenses, an indication that the IT group uses the software framework. While it's unknown what the vector was for the breach, both its timing and the use of Java are consistent with the possibility Log4Shell played a key role. Our third and final article is by Patrick McGee, published on December 3rd, 2021. 
Microsoft restores individual default browser setting in Windows 11 Preview. It's been a rough week for Microsoft's Edge browser in the court of public opinion, as users grumbled about the addition of a controversial buy now, pay later financing feature, and another layer of pop-up messages that tries to dissuade users from installing Google Chrome. But Microsoft isn't totally unresponsive to user criticism when it comes to Edge. The latest Dev Channel Windows Insider build of Windows 11 restores a button in the Settings app for setting your default browser, something that existed in Windows 10 but is missing from the current stable version of Windows 11. The change, originally spotted by developer Rafael Rivera, adds the default browser button to the top of the Settings app when you navigate to any browser in the Default Apps section. The button automatically changes the default app for opening HTTP, HTTPS, .htm, and .html files and links, instead of making users change each of these associations manually or relying on browser makers to build that capability into the browsers themselves. For all the other file types that Microsoft Edge can handle, including PDFs, SVG files, and others, you'll still need to change those associations manually and one at a time. But this is already how the default browser button worked in Windows 10, so it at least represents a revision to the pre-Windows 11 status quo rather than a new hurdle to jump over. Features being tested in the dev channel builds of Windows are usually destined for the operating system's next major servicing update, which for Windows 11 will happen sometime in the fall of 2022. Recent builds have begun to address some common complaints about Windows 11's user interface changes, including tweaks to the start menu and taskbar. brings us to the end of today's articles. To find out more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us at facebook.com slash If you like what's there, please hit the like button. Music for this podcast is provided by Hot Fire. I'm Mike Paul, and I'll be back soon with more stories from Ars Technica. Thanks for listening.